This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. In an age of Instagram and Snapchat, everyone loves a good fly fishing photo. But the operative word in that sentence is good. Today, Dave and I are going to share the nine commandments of fly fishing photography for non-pros. How does that sound, Dave? Pretty good, but it doesn't sound as good as 10. Why not 10 commandments? Well, because we're not pros, Dave. We're amateur photographers, <laughs> so we can only have nine. Absolutely. <laughs> we do only oh, have nine. Man. Well, seriously, if you're going to share your photos on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, you owe it to your friends and family to provide sharp, interesting, aesthetically pleasing photos. Your work may not end up on the cover of Fly Fishing Journal, uh, but it will evoke some great memories of stellar days on the river. Now, we want to come clean. Uh, neither Dave or I are professional photographers, all right? We're just going to say that up front. But we do have some experience with photography. Dave, you've, you've done a lot of uh, editorial work in magazines, right? Yeah, I have through the years. And so you, you got to get the hang of what makes a great photo work. Do you remember that there was that photo essay of your dad yeah you know yeah. years ago that we took for this one publication right uh-huh it was all done in black and white yeah uh, that was just mm -hmm. an outstanding set of photos yeah I, i've noticed that about you you really have an eye for that you have that artistic piece and by the way that's really what photography is about uh, the best photographers are not people who just know the technical information about you know, f-stop and the right shutter speed, but they're the ones who really understand composition. They, can, they do. They can construct, and it's intuitive. It feels like it's intuitive yeah, for the great ones. It is. You know, photography was actually something I thought about as a career, and uh, weren't you, you going to go to U of I, you University of Illinois? You know, I, I thought about that as an option, journalism, and I, I actually did a lot of photography in high school. I I did outdoor photography. I did sports photography. I, I had a little dark room and seriously, had a little, yeah, I had a little business on the side. I I actually uh, took photos of of a class reunion, and I mean these people were ancient, so it must have been their sixtieth or something. <laughs> no, it's probably they were our age now, and I just thought they were ancient. But I I remember I was sweating bullets, like man, if if I mess something up, you know, in the dark room, you get one shot at this, and uh, yeah, exactly. Anyway, but I digress. The point is, we, we have done some. What's a dark room? What? Oh yeah, I know. Nobody exactly. knows what a dark room is if you're. If you're under 50, you may not. But uh, uh, before digital, digital stuff, uh, that's the way you had to develop the film. And then you get the negatives, and then you'd, uh, you'd still have to be in a dark room with maybe a small yellow or red light and, and, and actually uh, you know, then use a machine, kind of like a big camera, to project that negative onto the, uh, uh, the, the paper. So, and that's old school. Oh, I thought you were going to say, oh, that's so fascinating. Go no. on. <laughs> no, no, let's yeah. get to the nine commandments. Yeah, yeah that's right, before people <laughs> stop listening. So, Dave, get us started. The first is stop fishing and start shooting. You would say that. You said that because I never do it. <laughs> I always feel bad because I'm always taking pictures of you. If you look on our Instagram account, how many of those are of me, Steve? I know. I feel bad because I'm <laughs> catching fish and you're taking pictures. So hard to set the rod down and get the 
the camera out, but it you really have to is. force yourself to do yeah. this. And obviously a cell phone is probably your best option, but there's also one of the great um, cameras if you want to purchase, uh, which is both a video camera and uh, obviously a regular photo camera is the Canon, I think it's the G7 no, series. Okay. Yeah, SureShot G7. Right. It's about $650, $700. Okay. But it is great, both for video and pics. It's just a tremendous, tremendous tool. Would that be comparable to the GoPro, like the Black Edition? No, 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 it wouldn't. This one is, uh, the GoPro, of course, is, you know. For video. And it's underwater. This one you couldn't Mm -hmm. use underwater. But um, the GoPro is different, and it has all these different mounts. This looks like more of a regular camera. But it's amazing how many people who do video on Mm -hmm. YouTube and actually have video shows use that little mm-hmm. canon g7 so okay. uh, you can buy i picked it up one i actually picked up one recently from uh, amazon for okay about 680 or six, oh, good, 690 good. so man you've you've just exactly. ruined it dave you're going to be taking all the photos now <laughs> you know that actually remind well yeah that reminds me of our last time out when i took pics of you oh, that yes. was so fun oh those, with those just, cows those are just lovely lovely <laughs> shots yep oh but hey we should say this though a cell phone is great. That that's probably the best option for most people. I mean, I cannot believe the high resolution photos that these cell phones take. And I, I've kind of stumbled across that by accident. I, I took a picture of a fly that was in my fly vise, and I thought, man, can I blow that up? And we actually used it on our website. I think it's one of a royal wolf or a royal trude. No, it was a royal wolf. Yeah, it was a royal wolf. And I blew that thing up. I couldn't believe the the resolution to that. So feel free to uh, use a a cell phone, and you're going to get great shots unless you, yeah, you want to go to the next level. Okay, here's a second command. Shoot more than the fish. Uh, Boy, sometimes Dave and I, we we get tired of, don't we, just seeing fish pictures. And and we take them. Uh, You know, you want to show people you've caught fish, but... Like, oh, great, here's the 98th shot of somebody, you know, holding a fish. And, and, and having the nose right in the face yeah, of the camera. exactly. And then photoshopped or, you know, changed the, you know, to make the color yeah, stand out. I mean, those are a right. dime a dozen. That's right. I mean, it's fine. Take some of the fish, but how about the scenery? How about the wildlife? How about the rock formations? How about the flowers? And, and again, high-res cell phone photos can be in cropped and enlarged. Uh, couple years ago, here it is again, Dave, you took uh, some pictures of me sitting in the, uh, you know, s- some Indian paintbrushes. I think it was when we were fishing Fan Creek. And I've, I've blown a couple of those up. Well, you can, you can get these, it looks like you had a close-up lens on of these, uh, of these flowers. So a lot of stuff like that. And yeah, I remember the, <laughs> the hotel lobby at the Comfort Inn <laughs> yes. in Gardner, Montana. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so there was this hotel lobby and it had all these mounts. And there were mountain lion mounts. There were whitetail yeah. and elk. And elk, there was this mule deer. Big yeah. grizzly oh, yeah. standing right. upright. And so I took a pic of Steve um, acting as if he was being mauled by the grizzly. It was or, like one of I most... was holding my bear spray, my UDAP, <laughs> and I'm thinking, I sure hope that the uh, person at the desk doesn't come walking around. <laughs> they, they probably just roll their eyes. They've seen this before. But, yeah, the, the point is shoot more than the fish. 
uh, yeah, that's going to be some of your best memories. Uh, we have a photo of the mountains behind Cook City, Montana. Remember that August that yeah, we yeah, stayed yeah. overnight? Uh, we wake up. I mean, this is August, uh, the dog days of August, and we wake up and there's snow in the mountains behind Cook City. Uh, I think we had been fishing the Wyoming Bighorn, and it was just gorgeous. Where so, did we go after that? Uh, I think we fished Tower Fall that day. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. we yeah, did. Yeah. Went into the park. Yep. So, number one, stop fishing and start shooting. Number two, shoot more than the fish. The third one is add a splash of color. Now, a red hat or a red bandana might spook the trout, but... Or a man, red shirt. Or a yeah. red shirt, yeah. Last fall... Uh, our friend Dave was fly fishing, and we were fishing on Willow Creek. And I have several pictures of him, and he had this red cap on, and it made all those pictures stand out. Oh, it was really just did. amazing. I don't yep. think it affected his fishing. He caught twice as yeah. many as we did. Yeah, that's right. But uh, something red provides a vivid, pleasing contrast to all the earth tones, you know, the greens, the browns, and the blues. Yeah, great point. All right, number four, keep the sun behind you. If the sun is behind the fly fisher you intend to photograph, your camera lens will do the same thing that your eye does when it looks into the sun, which is what? Well, you're going to squint, right? Well, that's what your camera lens does, and this allows less light into the picture. That's why pictures that have the sun behind them are so dark. Uh, now, this is not an issue at high noon, but uh, you really have to pay attention to this. Uh, make sure that you don't have the sun... It, in your in your eyes, you want the sun at your back. Well, also, I think any pictures that are at high noon or anywhere from 10 to 3 or 4, you, the light is harsher. It is, and yeah. And so you mm -hmm. don't get as quite, uh, the colors are not as pronounced, yep. and, and uh, the deep, deep colors and great photos tend yep. to be, obviously, early morning, later evening. They really do. Um, in fact, I like shade for that reason. Shade can be your friend because it lessens the shadows that that really hide your subject's face, especially when, when they've got a cap on. But beware, if there is a sunlit patch behind the shade, here we go again, it's going to turn that photo dark. So, I have so many of those like oh, that. Oh, I know. Drives me nuts. Yep, I know it. All right, the fifth is move in close or yeah. move in closer. You know, skilled photographers, they have the camera almost in your face. Yeah, that's what they do. And if you're photographing a fish, fill the frame. I was just criticizing oh, that man. earlier, but I shouldn't because, you know, if you're going to get a great pick, if you're just shooting a fish, man, that thing needs to fill the frame. It also makes your Fish took bigger. Yeah, yeah, it really does. <laughs> I just saw some pictures uh, on Instagram yesterday. I was scrolling through our feed, and there was a guy who had caught the same fish several times. And so he had a pick from two or three years ago and then a pick from just last summer. And you could tell it was the same fish because of the, the, the jaw. He had this ragged-looking jaw. And it was really amazing, but he had the, the that picture filled the entire frame. It was it was amazing. It was a great shot. I mean, if if our listeners remember one thing, that this may be it. If if you move in close, it, you'll be amazed. Or if you don't do that, crop your photo. If you've taken it on your cell phone, I mean, I have a, I use a Droid, Dave. I think you use an iPhone. Uh, you can crop those real easily on on each kind of a phone and. It just, it just makes a huge difference. Just look at photos that 
you've taken or somebody else has taken. Look at the ones where uh, there's just so much uh, you know, surrounding space on the top, the bottom, the sides. It just doesn't have the, uh, doesn't make the impression. And that's the one thing technology can't really solve. And that is a better camera is not going to improve no, your no, pics I, if, in fact, exactly, you're yeah. not positioning the pictures correctly. And so that's I think right. moving in closer is just a yep. really good principle. Just in like a general. Sage X or a Winston uh, Air, their new line of rods, it doesn't make a fly fisher any more than having the, the latest Nikon or Canon is going to make you a photographer. So move in. Uh, zoom in on your fly fisher friend. Now, there's a place for uh, you know a shot in the distance. That's fine, but the close-ups are really more interesting, and generally exude more life. All right, here's number six: shoot scenery early and late. Uh, just look at the scenery shots on your favorite calendar or book cover. Uh, the reason for the vivid colors is not a $2,000 lens, although that doesn't hurt. Uh, it's all about the time of day. In fact, I had a friend who quit photography because he, and he invested a pile of money in lenses and, and equipment, and, and he was going to be a wildlife photographer. Well, great. You know why he quit? <laughs> He, he realized he had to be there at dawn and dusk. And that may not seem like a big deal, but if you're doing that every day, uh, you, you've got to be out there before the sun comes up. You've got to be there at dusk. Uh, that's what professional pro photographers do. So that's what we have to do as well. And we mentioned this just a little bit earlier, but the light in the early morning and the early evening brings scenery to life. Yeah, it does. I remember if you... Well, if you go to Denver, Colorado, and you look east to west, let's say that you're at the airport and you're looking west, so you're looking into the mountains, you know, at noon, it looks like it's one-dimensional, but if you look early morning oh, or yeah. late at, or even later in the afternoon, it's like the whole thing becomes three-dimensional. Yeah, I know exactly what you that mean. that whole horizon fattens yep. and it forms all these different shapes and you look at all the canyons and it's just gorgeous. Uh, my parents used to live right on the banks of the Yellowstone River uh, in Paradise Valley, south of Livingston. They were, in fact, the Mill Creek Bridge, you could see their house and I know I had taken a few pictures uh, off of that uh, you know, bridge and, and they looked okay, but one day I get a call from my friend, it was Eric, uh, he, he, he had a company, semiconductor uh, company in, in the Gallatin Valley, and he calls me. He says, hey, guess what? I'm, I'm, I just changed the calendar. It changed to June or whatever it was. He says, guess what I'm looking at? I'm staring at your parents' house. And I said, what? He says, yeah, I got this Montana calendar. Here's this picture of your parents' house. Well, he showed it to me later, and I, I thought, wow, that is incredible. I've taken pictures. They look nothing like that. What's the difference? Well... $2,000 lens, you know, $2,000 camera is part of it. But I realized, wow, they got, they got that right at, at the perfect time yeah, at dusk. I think it was at dusk or, or uh, no, no, no. It might've been first thing in the morning. That's what you have to do. Well, I'm surprised with your parents living on the Yellowstone river that you're, uh, that you're not a better fly fisher than you are. <laughs> oh, anything to get in a dig. All right. Just knock it off. Go on to number seven. So number seven is include an object in the foreground. Yeah. And this gives depth and depth of field to your photos and can even provide a kind of frame 
that accents you know what you're trying to so photo. What, are you, what are you talking about when you say an object in the foreground like your your arm like if you yeah. hold your hand out <laughs> exactly well i think you can move around the camera lens you know a tree branch or a bush yeah. or a rock put the rock in the corner just to yeah. adjust yourself mm -hmm. and um and maybe even get down on your knees and give a give an angle that's upward you know that includes the rock and 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 shooting upward yep. you know whatever it is your cat your uh, whatever you're shoot you're shooting but yeah. it definitely gives just a whole different quality to the image yeah and like you said it frames that image but it also kind of gives it that 3d effect doesn't and, it yeah and it just makes it you know to lack for lack of of a better word it just makes it interesting yeah that's a great point it really does all right, here's an eighth, and this is a little bit related, but think in thirds. So if you're photographing a stretch of river with the sky in the background, it's easy to get the horizontal dividing line between land and sky in the middle of the photo. And what that does is it breaks the photo into equal halves, an upper half and a lower half. Now, don't do this. Uh, it results in a bland photo, which you just said, Dave. It's just not that interesting. Instead, devote either the top third or the top two-thirds to the sky. And that means then that the bottom third or the bottom two-thirds is the land, the river. And that disproportion is really what makes your photo interesting. And if, if that doesn't make sense to any of you, just try that. When The next time you photograph scenery, uh, split it in half. Uh, you know, the, in other words, the skyline is going to be like a line right from left to right in your photo. But then do it the other way. Try making the sky one-third of your picture. Then try making the sky two-thirds. And, and depending on what's happening that day with the light, what's going on in the sky, what the foliage looks like, uh, you can have a pretty incredible... One of those will be an incredible picture. You can really get some great sky photos you know, when you have cumulus clouds and you have some alpine light and, oh, yeah. and, you know, especially at dusk or early in the morning and breaking that up in thirds means that perhaps the land, whatever it is you're shooting is only a third of the bottom. So the top is two thirds, which allows you to get a lot of sky in there. Man, I've shot a couple really great photos where the clouds are just on fire oh, yeah. and they fill out the entire frame and it really makes for a great photograph. That is beautiful. And this same principle applies to photographing fly fishers. Uh, what you want to be careful of doing is putting your fly fisher right in the middle of the picture. Again, that's boring. Uh, the photography police may issue a warrant for your arrest. <laughs> So, imagine that your landscape-shaped photo has been divided into three vertical panels. And instead of putting the fly fisher right in that middle panel, uh, put her in the left or put him in the right. Uh, and think about this, too. If your fly fisher is facing right, facing to the right, you want your fly fisher in the left panel because you don't want him looking uh, outside the photo. Outside the photo. You yeah. want him looking at what's there. Uh, and, and if that doesn't make sense, just take a photo which breaks this ru rule and you'll see how silly it looks. Okay, final rule is keep your camera or cell phone in a Ziploc bag. How many times have I oh, thought, man. you know, I'm not going to be uh, getting wet and then somehow I slip or something and I yep. carry everything in a satchel. So I really make sure that my 
cell phone is in a Ziploc bag in my satchel, or else I'll stuff it in the top of my waders. I do the same and, thing. Um, but yep. you can never be too careful. No, you can't. You can buy special waterproof uh, uh, little pouches at fly shops, but what I often do is just get the real thick uh, baggies in the store with the nice uh, Ziploc or the, you know, that. It's just something that seals really well. Although they say the new iPhone, which I have, can be underwater for, I think it's one of those things that if it goes underwater, you can pull it out quickly. Really? And it's supposed oh. to be waterproof, but obviously I'm not going to try that. Yeah, so. supposed to. Yeah, we'll exactly. <laughs> All right, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Jim offered this comment on our piece about fun facts about the filming of a river runs through it. And this is what he said. Fly fishing. If your friends don't do it, they will never understand it, and you can't explain it. Oh, man, if that's not the truest words that, that have so been spoken. Those aren't it? the truest words that have been spoken. Oh, My goodness. Yeah, there, there is a mystique, isn't there? There's something about being uh, haunted by waters, as the last line in that novella says, that y you can't explain that to somebody. They have to experience So that. this is funny. So I have a client in Madison, a CEO, and we were driving from his house on the western side of Madison, Wisconsin, into Madison. And it was wintertime, and there were ice fishers out along the road. And he goes, ha, 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 Dave, that's what you do. You like to fish. Is that interesting to you? And I thought, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're associating me with ice fishers, yeah. people who are standing on their, or sitting on their ice bucket and fishing or sitting in shacks? So anyway, I had a indignant yeah. moment, but uh, he still didn't get it. So I know, and we're not looking down on ice fishers. <laughs> no. we, we've done that too. That's absolutely uh, that but can be kind of cool, but it doesn't have that same mystique. No, does it? It, just it just doesn't. doesn't. Yeah. Maybe that's because you're half frozen the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's another story. The time when we took uh, you know a friend of ours out who had a broken leg, and we're trying to ice fish near Lewistown, Montana. I remember the wind was blowing and. I do oh. not remember that story. Oh, man. Really? Was it Tom? Yeah, it was Tom. Uh-huh. Ice fishing? Yeah. I we, do not. We took him out ice fishing, and, and he's on his crutches, and we're trying to, you know, stuff is blowing, and uh, I don't I know. I don't think the, we caught anything, did I we? I don't think so. All I can say is I was not haunted by waters. I was just I was just <laughs> Haunted mad. by the cold? I was just mad. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for today. Do you have any other tips for fly fishing photography? If so, please share them with us by going to twoguysinariver.com and comment on this podcast link. What insights can you offer novice photographers when they take fly fishing photos? You can find Two Guys in a River pretty much everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Stitcher, even your smartphone. You can download a podcast app. And of course, you can visit our website, twoguysinariver.com. We publish a new episode and a new article each week on our website. All right. Thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are two guys in a river. For the love of fly fishing.